I was thinking about God's creation. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about God, the creator. And Kaysen, Canaan, Jordan, and I, we love to go on walks, okay? Love to go on walks around the neighborhood. We love to go on bike rides. And it never fails that uh, every time we go on a walk or a bike ride, that we come home with, uh, with treasures, right? This right here, that, that's treasure, right? This, it's a stick to you and to me, but it is treasure to Cason and Canaan. This right here, this actually looks cool. It looks kind of like a lava rock. That, that's a, I probably would have picked that one up as well. Um, and then this right here, Cason brought this to me this morning. I don't even know what that is, but it is a stick with something on it. And he gave me a whole explanation of what that actually is, right? And uh, this is the best part. The best part is I did not have to walk outside to grab any of those items, okay? These are prized possessions of Cason and Canaan. So I went to their dresser. And on their dresser by their bed, they have all these rocks and sticks and all kinds of, and unfortunately it, it can be uh, a task to clean it all up around the house. Um, and when we're going on walks, I don't know about you, I'm not focused on the rocks and the sticks, right? As parents, I don't know where you guys are, but I know where I am. And where I am is I am thinking about the next thing. I'm distracted. My mind is running to my to-do list. I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And, and let me think, through, and hey, when we get done with this bike ride, when we get done with the walk, I gotta go inside. I got, I got this time with Kaysen and Canaan, and then I gotta get to the next thing. And what's so awesome is I'll be in the middle of that process while we're walking around the corner and Kaysen or Canaan will say, hey dad, look, look at that cloud. That cloud, that, that's a dog. No, that cloud's a duck, right? Whatever it is. And it pulls me back to God's creation. And it's so amazing to observe children because they are in awe of God, right? And the reason why I wanted to share that story before we jumped into this is because I want you to place yourself in awe of God, in awe of his creation thinking about the clouds, thinking about the trees, the wind, the sun, whatever it is to bring yourself back to being in awe of him, a childlike awe as we read his word. Does that sound good to you guys? All right, let's, um, we're gonna read, start off with Genesis 1, verses 1 through 13. I'm only gonna read through the first three days, uh, but it's amazing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That right there, Lance would tell you, is a whole sermon series, right? There's so much packed into that. And God said, let there be a light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Keep 
Let's keep that all as we continue. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the water from the vault, wait, from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and he gathered waters he called, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. See the theme, and it was so, and it was good. God's creation is good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. The first three days, God creates the space. We got light and darkness. We have sky and water. We have land. And the next three days, days four, five, and six, God fills the space. Day four, it's the sun, moon, and the stars. Day five, it's the birds and the fish. Day six, it's the animals that walk the land and the humans. And day seven, God rested. And I want, I just want to read this real quick because, I don't know, it convicted me. Maybe it, it, it will convict you as well. It's Genesis 2, verses 2 through 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. The Sabbath was established. And how appropriate in a world with so many distractions and so much busyness and so many to-do lists that God is very intentional that we need to make sure we make time to reconnect with him that childlike awe. I'm going to read Genesis 2, 7. This is kind of important. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And then we know later that he gets put to sleep, and a rib is removed from his side, and, and that rib creates Eve. God took us and he breathed life into us. Um, he spoke everything else into existence, but when it came to us, his image bearers, he literally breathed life into our lungs. What does all of this, just in Genesis 1 and 2, what does all of this say about God? What do we know about God? He's the creator. God is all-powerful. God is intentional. Every single thing that he does has an intention. God is intimate. He breathes life into us. We are very good, right? His creation is very good. God loves, and it's very important here, before we move on, that God, our creation was perfect. It's so easy for us to blame God for so many things in the world. And the creation was made perfect. It's man who corrupted it. 
right? We corrupted it, but it was made perfect. I want us to um, keep this childlike faith, this awe. I know it's a lot. <laughs> Use your imagination, but we're going to flip just a couple chapters to Revelation, all right? Revelation, we're going to go Revelation 21, 1 through 4, all right? Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw, this is John, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud, a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. I can almost not even read that without just getting emotional. This is the recreation. This is the new Jerusalem that is to come. We have creation. Maybe I, since I'm facing this way, maybe I should say this. We have creation, which is Genesis. God created. And then we have recreation, which is in Revelation, the new Jerusalem. And sometimes, like for us right now, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Because we have Genesis, we have Revelation, we know that God is a creator. But I think a lot of times we feel like we can get stuck in this place of we're in the meantime. Right? Like we're in this place, like we're in the meantime. Like God created, it was amazing. God will create, it's gonna be incredible. But do we believe that God is still creating today? Because, and, and I know like, of course he is, right? That's the right answer. Of course, God is still creating today, but do we believe it? Like, do we really believe that God is still creating in us? Do we believe that God is still breaking and creating and recreating hearts? And I don't know, maybe somebody's heart in here is being, is there's something that is being created inside someone's heart today. Maybe a recreation is happening in someone's heart today. I don't know, but if it's hard for you to grasp, and it is, it is for me sometimes. Like I'm just, sometimes I'm just ready to be at the New Jerusalem. You know, like let's just be there. Let's just see it all happen. It's amazing. But if it's, if you're struggling with it, like I do at times, I want you to think about something with me. Just go with me. I, I have ADD. So just stick with me. This, this came up, okay? If we don't believe or if we struggle with believing that God is creating, even today, in our hearts, in our lives, in the lives of people around us, I want you to think about something as simple as a caterpillar. Okay? We know what happens with a caterpillar. It's a caterpillar. It becomes a butterfly. And we kind of know like the process, you know, like we, we it's a cocoon and, and, and then, you know, the cocoon and we, we, uh, we have this butterfly that comes out on the other side. Uh, but if you're like me, 
it makes sense that if it's the same creature, you have like a caterpillar, he goes into a cocoon, and he just comes out with wings. Like this, this next thing right here, right? It's a throwback to my childhood. It's a bug's life. But when this happened, I was like, that makes sense. That's, it's a caterpillar, goes in cocoon, he grows wings, he comes out, it's still the same creature. But let me tell you what happens inside of a cocoon. This is crazy. Caterpillar is a caterpillar for two to five weeks. That's their lifespan. They eat a bunch of leaves. This is literally what it says. They stuff themselves with leaves, they find a leaf, they hang upside down, and they spin a cocoon around their bodies. And inside the cocoon, the caterpillar digests itself, okay? And I'm sorry if I ruined soup for anybody later today, but this is what it says. It says it becomes like a soup, okay? The caterpillar completely dissolves and it's just a liquid inside the cocoon. This is the most amazing part. When the caterpillar was born, already in its DNA, it has um, these, these cells that are called imaginal disc cells. So when everything in the cocoon is dissolved, the only thing that does not dissolve are these little cells that are, called, that are called imaginal disc cells. And in these cells have the instructions to build the wings of a butterfly, to build the body of a butterfly, to build the legs of the butterfly. And then we get the butterfly right there. Doesn't look anything like the caterpillar. It's almost as if there's a total transformation. It's almost as if there's a rebirth. We have this one organism. It becomes a separate organism, but it's all the same thing. And we have this recreation, this creation, and we have this recreation. If God is creating in millions of caterpillars around the world. I don't, I don't know how many caterpillars there are. Uh, what is he doing inside of his image bearers? <laughs> if nothing else, like if we take nothing else away from this, if God is just so focused, and we know this, we read this in scripture, how intimate he is with his creation, but something as simple as a caterpillar, he is coordinating all of that. What is he doing in our hearts? This is what he's doing. I want, to, uh, I want to turn to John 1, 1. Oh, it's so good. This is how John 1, 1, or this is how John starts. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What does, why does God, or why does John begin his gospel with Genesis language? Unless he is letting us know that through Jesus Christ, we get to have this transformation, this rebirth. Through Jesus, this can happen. Creation, recreation can happen again. So yeah, we do have Genesis way over here. 
And we do have revelation way over here. And right in the middle, John tells us that Jesus and the cross and his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection, that is what is continuing creation right now in and through us. This is the good news. This is the good news. This is what it all comes back to, God the creator. I struggled with this because um, the obvious response for me is to be in awe of God. To be in awe of everything that he does, everything he created, everything he will create, everything that he is creating right now is to just be in awe of him. And then I'm like, how do we do that? And um, I don't know. Like, I really don't know because we're all in different places. We all have different situations. We all have different stresses in life. We all have different things that we're struggling with, that we're going, with, going through. I don't know. God knows. He knows your heart. He knows what's going on. But as I sat with this, I'm like, what can I do to draw near? Right, so Anna is talking about next week, right? To draw near to God. What can I do to connect with the Creator? And I thought of just three things to start with for me. And the very first one is to remove distractions. Remove distractions. When we're on our walks, I am distracted. I don't notice the clouds. I don't look up and see the clouds if I am distracted. Cason and Canaan, right? And, and the sermon is not about them. Children, right? They notice the things around them because they're not as distracted as we are. And I love this quote. I think, how do you say that? Corey Ten Boom? I'm gonna go with that. I think that's how you pronounce that. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And this is from uh, the book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. I love that book. I don't know how theologically sound that quote is, but I do know this. We can be distracted to the point to where we don't come into the presence of God. And so how, to, how do we be in awe of God? We gotta first see the distractions that are right in front of us and we gotta remove these. The next thing, don't be spiritually nearsighted. Um, I had to add the word spiritually because I, I, at first I just put don't be nearsighted. But we just, I have a family of uh, Jordan, Kaysen, and Canaan. Canaan just got his glasses. Now it's three versus one. I don't have glasses. They all three have glasses now, so I'm the outsider. But I might get them soon because I keep looking back at the time, and it's harder to see. So maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll all four have glasses. Uh, but the point, let us not get so caught up in life in the life that bombards us every day, all day, that we forget to pursue Creator. We forget to pursue the Creator as our priority. And for that, I wanna go, uh, I just wanna touch on 2 Peter, um, 2 Peter 1, verses five through nine. Y'all check out this. For this very reason, make every effort. Don't like 
Give it your best shot sometimes. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Yes, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Don't be spiritually nearsighted. It's just a call for us. Yes, the first one is remove distractions. The second one is, I want to know God more. Be in his word, be in prayer, right? Remove the distractions so I can do these, so I am not nearsighted spiritually. And the last thing, it's pretty obvious, but it is tough. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want to go to uh, Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6, for this one. Um, because loving God is also about yielding to God. And I know that my life, um, there have been so many times in my life where I have not wanted to yield to God. And so Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6, it talks about this. This is the word, then like, Will I be distracted? I probably won't be as distracted. I probably won't be nearsighted. I'll want to seek God. I probably will love God with everything in me. And it's like these, these concepts, they feed themselves. Um, I love this. Sometimes I'll be sharing something about God to Cason. Uh, not to Canaan, because he's, he still doesn't pay attention to a full sentence that we say yet, right? But Kaysen sometimes will catch a sentence. And so I'll be speaking to Kaysen about something uh, just crazy, miraculous about God. And he'll stand there and he'll just go, oh, like I just blew his mind. And I love when he does that. And and what I think immediately is, I want that. Like, I mean, for all of us, Kip and I were talking about it earlier this week. We were sitting in his office and we were talking and I was like, you know, I just want, it's not through me. It's not through anything that we do. I just want, what if the whole church just walked out of here? Like, oh, oh my God, my God, my creator. Like, yeah. Yeah you know what? I'm so busy. I wrote a paper last night. I'll write a paper tonight. I'm going to write a paper tomorrow. I don't know how many papers I've written in the past week. I have no idea. And I'm just going to keep writing papers. I'm so busy. And you know what? There's no drama in our family unit, but our extended family, we have a lot of drama right now. I mean, we are praying daily for family members. We've got a lot going on. And we're exhausted, we're tired, and I know a lot of us feel this way. But 
through all of that, through the busyness, through the exhaustion, through the fatigue, can I get renewed strength? Can I get renewed energy? Am I willing to be opened up by God and for him to create or recreate something inside of me that's just like, oh, God, that, this, this is all that matters. None of this other stuff matters. We have to work, we have to provide for our family. Those things are important. But are they as important as making time to be in the presence of God? I would say no. And I think we all agree. And yet there's so many days, I was sitting with a group of guys the other day and we're talking about how busy we are. And, I, and I'm right there with you. And I'm just like, man, we gotta make more, how do we, he's gotta be first. Everything else is after that. But if he is first and our creator is what we are focused on and, and that's all that matters, I think everything else will fall into place just a little bit better. I don't even know where I am in my notes. Um, do we got creation? We got recreation. We've got God coming down and Jesus and the cross to be with us. There is no better foreshadowing than that to come to the table. Um, the table is definitely a time to be grateful for the cross, to be, to be grateful for Jesus and what he did and dying for all of us so we can even be at the table, so we can even be invited at the table is because of Jesus. And that's so important, but also the table is a foreshadowing of a celebration. The creator comes together with his creation and we get to share a meal together. And we get to do it as a, as a church, as the body of Christ. And we get to do it in communion with God. And as we all prepare for the table, to go to the table today, I just, my prayer for every person in this room, including myself, is I don't get so caught up with life that I forget to actually live because living is living for God. Living is for our creator. We are his creation. Let's um, revere him. Let's come to the table in reverence. Let's come to the table as a celebration today for all that God has done and for the fact that God just wants to share a meal with us today. Let's pray. Mm. God, there's, mm, there's so much, there's so much. I, I, I don't, we don't, we don't all know exactly how to do it. We don't all know where we are in each other's lives, God. But I just pray that first and foremost, that we come to you um, as number one in our lives. That we come to you with reverence today. That we come to you uh, knowing that we get to be participants because of Jesus. 
we get to be participants in the new Jerusalem. God, thank you so much. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this body. Thank you for the fellowship and the communion and the community that we have inside this room. Um, and God, I pray that we walk out of these doors knowing that this building is not the church, but knowing that we are the church and we get to leave here and go into our community to be the body of Christ for everyone else around us. And I pray all of this in the holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.